This is the Feminem Podcast, the official podcast of Feminem, discussing all things femme, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beckesme, Editor-in-Chief of Feminem. Next up on our Fix 19 Talks, we have a great one from Dr. Nicole Battaglioli. She is an Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine at Emory University and the co-founder of the Alien Wellness Think Tank. Her Fix 19 Talk explores her experience with postpartum depression and how it made her a better physician. I hesitate to say enjoy, so instead I'm going to say listen, learn, and grow. I was exhausted. I was emotional. And my OB looked at me and said, Nicole, we can't keep doing this. I know you don't want a section. We could try a forceps delivery. But if that doesn't work, you're going to need a C-section. We'll take you to the operating room just in case. I had never seen a forceps delivery, much less be a part of one. And I had no idea what I was going to do. My eyes began to well up with tears. I was tired. I was afraid. And in that moment, I was not a physician. I was a patient, a patient who was unable to use years' worth of medical training and education to form a coherent opinion about her own medical care. I didn't know what to do. I looked up at my OB and said, what would you do if you were me? She raised up my bed rails and answer as I signed my consent form, and we headed off to the operating room. My husband made her promise that I and the baby would be okay. About 30 minutes later, I got to hold my newborn boy in my arms. I shared that amazing moment with my husband and about 30 other medical professionals in the operating room with us. Because there's nothing better than 30 of your closest colleagues seeing your postpartum vagina. <laughs> but my labor in my postpartum course was rough. I had preeclampsia with severe features, which meant an induced labor fueled by Pitocin and magnesium, and it also meant postpartum hemorrhage, severe anemia, blood transfusions. A couple days later, I was able to go home with my little one, but I was still tired. I felt weak. I felt sad. I was basically a milk-producing zombie walking around, worrying about everything, crying, and eating Doritos. But about a week after that, I noticed that these feelings started to morph into overwhelming feelings of panic and sadness. I couldn't sleep, even when I had the opportunity. I tried adding protein shakes and Oreos to my diet. Didn't want to eat. I delivered in the aftermath time period of Hurricane Maria. I worried that a hurricane would strike our house. I lived in Minnesota. I worried about everything. I also worried that I would never accomplish anything meaningful in my life ever again. And I didn't know what to do. In one of my very frequent postpartum checks, my OB listened as I tearfully recounted how I had been feeling 
And she said, Nicole, I think you need to go see one of our psychiatric colleagues. I had postpartum depression and anxiety. But despite being a physician, this is something that I knew very little about. And this shouldn't surprise us, since a recent study showed that approximately 25% of physician moms have at some point suffered from perinatal depression, while only, well, less than, less than half of those moms sought out care and treatment. Postpartum is actually very common. There are various statistics out there, but some note that it occurs in one in seven postpartum moms. And it's more severe than just the baby blues. Those tend to go away with time, while feelings of postpartum depression and anxiety linger, intensify. Moms have trouble eating, sleeping, maybe they have intrusive thoughts. But all of these symptoms and all of these things make it hard for mom to take care of herself and baby. Now, I think that this statistic probably underestimates the actual prevalence of postpartum mood disorders. How many of you in the room have either yourself or have known someone close to you who has had either postpartum anxiety or depression? Take a look at all of those hands. I think part of the issue is that typically, a new mom doesn't go back to see her postpartum, I'm sorry, her obstetric provider until six weeks postpartum. I think that time frame makes it difficult to recognize and treat postpartum mood disorders in a timely fashion. There are other postpartum mood disorders to be aware of. Studies show rates of postpartum anxiety at about 9% and postpartum OCD is somewhere between 3 and 5%. And let's not forget about dads. So it's estimated that about 10% of dads will experience postpartum themselves within the first year, while maternal depression is the strongest indicator. So in this cohort of men, those who also have a, a significant other or a mom at home with postpartum depression, their rate of postpartum or paternal depression can be up to 25%. So what I took away from my postpartum experience and my dealings with postpartum depression and anxiety is that I started to try to incorporate looking out for this and screening in my clinical practice. Many of us here work in emergency medicine or see pediatric patients. Parents often bring their little ones in for complaints that we typically find to be routine and easy. It's either reflux or a poop problem. Parents are always worried about their kids' poop. Or maybe we see a new mom for a UTI or mastitis. And these are all opportunities that you can use to check in with the family to see how they're doing, to see how the parents are coping. So how do we do this? Well, there are two very easy screening tools. There are more than two, but these are the two that I'm going to talk about that you can access online and use every day. The Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale is really easy to fill out, takes less than five minutes, is comprised of 10 self-reported items, has been translated into 12 different languages, and actually requires a very low literacy rate to complete. 
It includes questions about symptoms of anxiety, which is a common manifestation in postpartum depression and anxiety. And it leaves out some of the constitutional symptoms like trouble eating and trouble sleeping that might be present just you know, during a normal postpartum time. The other is the PHQ-9. This is a screening tool that's also used to screen for generalized depression. This does include constitutional symptoms, so it makes the screening tool just slightly less specific. But both of these are easily available online and something that you can use. What if you think screening all of, all of my patients with a paper form, that's not really my style, that's not for me? You can very easily check in with new parents by asking them easy, open-ended questions. How are you sleeping? I know most parents will look at you, giggle, and say, ha, 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 very funny, doc. But seriously, when the parent has an opportunity to get rest, are they actually able to sleep? How are you eating at home? When's the last time you guys had a healthy meal? Or are you eating Doritos and Oreos? Which, I mean, is a diet that I have no problem with, but... You can also ask them about what support they have at home. Do they have people who can come and help out so that mom can shower, people to drop off meals, that kind of thing? So even open-ended questions can give you sort of a sense of how things are going at home. Treatment for postpartum mood disorders, especially postpartum depression, is very similar to that of generalized depression. Cognitive behavioral therapy, SSRIs, and there are SSRIs that are friendly for breastfeeding moms if that's a concern for them. Some physicians wonder about the suicidality or if there's an increased suicide risk for moms with postpartum depression in the event that they see them in the emergency department or in their practice. And the answer is generally not. Moms can generally go home with babies safely as long as there's a treatment plan in place. There's no increased risk of suicidality larger than the general population. The caveat to this is the presence of postpartum psychosis, which is a pretty rare event. It's about one to two in a thousand, but obviously the consequences can be pretty devastating. These patients present like a typical psychosis patient. Maybe they have hallucinations, they have intrusive thoughts that are a little more intense, uh, and these patients need emergent intervention, treatment, and evaluation by a psychiatric provider. If you're not sure where to go, and maybe you don't have a lot of mental health professionals in your community, there are a number of postpartum groups that will either have meetings, have support groups for moms, depending on what city you live in, or we'll just post generalized resources for your patients to access. Now these are just a few, but if you Google postpartum support groups, there'll be a myriad of resources that you can kind of look up. And if you have sort of a paucity of mental health providers in your community, or you're concerned about their ability to get in to see somebody, this can be a good place for them to start. So in closing, what I'm asking you is when you see new parents, whether they're the patient of yours or maybe little one is, that you take a couple of moments to check in with them. Because if you're able to intervene on a parent with a postpartum mood disorder, you will actually be making a huge impact on the entire family. Thank you.